0: this morning will be taken from the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. In our pew Bibles, that's page 1039. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you are visiting with us, we welcome you. You encourage us by being here and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. But to Each of our members, what a wonderful way to start out the new year. I commend you for a, a year of faithfulness last year and let's give God our all to be faithful this year. Hope you had a uh, the start of a good year already. It's so wonderful to hear just the little chatter here and there just the little sideline talk when someone says hey we we read that this week that's already happened to me at least 2 or 3 times when someone just in conversations mentioned something and someone we read about that this week it's wonderful to think that we're studying the bible together that we're encouraging each other and that it's becoming just a part of our everyday language a part of our everyday conversation I hope you and your family are doing that. If not, I hope you'll jump on board and let's make sure that we just stay in the Word all of our life. It's not just an annual program, but it's a wonderful way to bless our life. Uh, contrary to what we usually do in Sunday morning, usually we go right into the lesson. Let me mention a few things of great importance to you. We are thankful that Donna Paschal was baptized Monday afternoon. Is Donna... I don't think she's at this service. Uh, she sits with uh, Gwen and Langley Sikursky very often. They invited her, and they have even uh, studied with her in the past few months, and she has studied on her own, and she is thankful to be a Christian, and we're thankful that she is a Christian. Dana McKenzie responded Wednesday night, and we're thankful for his uh, coming back to the Lord, and we're thankful for him and for Joan, and we hope and pray that we can be an encouragement to them just as they have been to us. We love them dearly. Also, I want to mention something to you that you may not think about from week to week. When we gather here inside these walls, you may not think about the connection that we have on a regular basis with people all around the country and even in other countries. Uh, On the screen here, you see Donovan Walden and also Jennifer Smith. You remember when Donovan was able as as a little boy to come and to worship with us on Sundays? And in recent years, he has been unable to be here. But yet, he watches the DVDs of our services every week. And we just want to give him a hello. Uh, We're thankful that uh, he is able to stay connected to us in that way through our worship service on DVD. And uh, be sure that you let him know that you love him. Also, a very similar situation of staying connected through the DVDs. Also, Chrissy Foran. You probably remember growing up here as Chrissy McCullough. And her and Tom had moved to Newfoundland and... Uh, She is able to continue to keep up with the family that she loves here where she grew up through the DVDs. We appreciate Mark Williamson, our deacon that uh, looks over this area for Cecil Pitts who has so much to do on a regular basis in this work. It's wonderful when everybody does their part. What a blessing it is that God's work can be uh, magnified and can continue on a weekly basis. We want to encourage you to think about your part. Uh, January, we'll concentrate on it a little bit. February, we'll concentrate on it even more. We want every willing worker to have a place to serve, and we want every member to be a willing worker. So give thought to where you can serve the Lord, and won't you give Him at least an hour of your time in working in the work of the church in some ministry. Sunday evenings uh, will be exciting. Much of the Sunday evenings throughout this year, we will study from sermons that will be based on our readings throughout this year. In January, Andrew Phillips will preach most, or if all, of the Sunday evenings, and I say most, we will have a Missions Emphasis Day uh, one of our Sundays, which will be an exception to that. Look forward to that. Also, just an FYI, the uh, reason that I will not be preaching on Sunday evenings is I'll be giving about 6 to 10 hours a week in helping uh, JP, as JP will... Uh, be working along with our deacons and then soon to be our new deacons as we strive to build an infrastructure uh, that will give every servant a place to serve. Uh, Back when we were running about 700 in size, we spent a lot of hours to build an infrastructure that we thought would hold about 900 members. Well, we've maxed out. This past year, we've grown very little. Uh, It's time for us to get back to work again and, and create an infrastructure that can hold about 1,100 members so that we have room to grow and room to serve. Will you be prayerful, diligent, fervent in prayer uh, about these efforts that we will be able to build a congregation that whoever walks in these doors and decides that they want to become a Christian and they want to serve God, that they will have a place to serve right here at the Mount Juliet Church of Christ. It's a shame if someone thinks that to serve God, they have to go somewhere else because they're too large. They don't need me. We've really messed up ministry if that ever happens. So won't you be prayerful with us as we strive hard to work? Uh, there's, there, we have all of our elders that are uh, working and concerned about this. We have our deacons that are working and concerned about this, and we have a staff that's working and concerned about this. And And won't you be prayerful? It's called Growing Pains is what it's called. And I love to have Growing Pains. That's a good thing, but it's a challenging thing. Also, the final thing, keep in mind our calendar. Some of you were asking for it last week. Uh, It is such a helpful tool. The calendar is made available usually every first Sunday of the year, and this is the first Sunday of the year. They will be made available to you in the doors as you exit. Be sure and pick up one of the calendars. Also, know if you're at work or at home and you're thinking, where did I lay that calendar? This calendar is also online at our website. Hope you're taking advantage of the website. It's a tremendous tool. Go ahead and mark on your personal calendars, your family calendars, the dates. Uh, Family Day, Friends Day, Vacation Bible School, so many other dates that are congregational wide that take all of us in order for them to be successful and find your place of service and uh, make sure that you've marked those important events. Won't you place the Lord's work as the highest priority in your life? There's nothing else that we're involved in that's more important than the Lord's work. Let's give God our first, let's give God our best. Let's give God our all. Who will be baptized next? I'm thankful if it's someone that grew up here. But if they didn't grow up here, who will be baptized next? One thing you can count for sure. It will be someone who has visited us first. Rarely is anyone baptized that wasn't first a visitor. How important are visitors to you? When you see someone park their car and start across the parking lot and it registers in your mind that's a visitor, how important is that to you? Do you see that as a golden opportunity to speak a good word for the Lord? First impressions are only made once and it's not going to be doctrine that brings people back for a second visit. Most people that make the first visit don't know enough doctrine to know if the doctrine is right or wrong. It's not going to be doctrine that brings them back for the second visit. What will bring individuals back for the second visit is whether or not they have seen the love of Jesus Christ in the place that they visited. No one visits by accident. Visitors that are here this morning, we're glad you're here. We realize that visitors have to set their alarm clock on Saturday evening. They have to make that big decision. I haven't been to church in years. I haven't been to church it, since I was a little child. Maybe a visitor saying, I've never been to church. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going tomorrow. Maybe I'll go tomorrow. The alarm goes off. They're still trying to decide, am I going to go? Maybe they're dressed and even driving on their way, and they're deciding, am I really going to walk in? they park their car and have to decide, am I going to back out and leave or am I going to walk in the door? When they exit their car, most visitors are a little bit anxious. They long to be accepted, to be greeted, for someone to show genuine interest in them and their soul. The interesting thing is that almost all churches describe themselves as friendly. Most churches describe themselves as very friendly. Few visitors describe churches as very friendly. Pat Kiefert does a study each year in the Churches of Christ. He sends 12 visitors into one congregation... After they have visited that congregation, he contacts that congregation and asks them, can they identify the 12 visitors that were with them? In 13 years of doing this, never has a congregation recognized more than 6 of the 12 visitors. Half of the visitors in the study go unrecognized. Friends, if we were just talking about numbers to reach goals, that wouldn't be a big deal. But we're talking about souls. We're talking about individuals that made a decision to leave their house to search for the Lord. They made a decision to leave their house and not only search for the Lord, but to search for the Lord's people, thinking that they might want to become... One of the Lord's people. And the question is Will the Lord's people see their worth, see their value, see their potential, and care about their eternity? Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse 16, which we don't have a slide for it, but if you have your Bible open, I'd encourage you to turn there. Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse 16, we pick up in verse 16 where he says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, but whatever joint supplies, according to effective working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. For 16 verses, Paul has written about things that causes growth of the body. And notice he says that each one has to do its share. Friends, we can try to create an infrastructure and we can try to, to have uh, deacons that have ministries that fulfill the will of God and involve people that are willing. We can try to have Bible classes that, that esteem the Lord and that magnify His Word. We can strive to have sermons that are, that are truth and that motivate us to live the truth and to love the church and to love the Lord. Friends, there's so much that we can do from the aspect of leadership and even from the aspect of an infrastructure. But please notice as I say this to all leaders and to all followers, to every member, The Lord says in verse 16 that the only way the church is going to grow, that if everyone does their share. Friends, the leaders can't pull this church along and the followers and the members can't push this church along. It's when you and I join our hands and say, I'll do my share. And our neighbor says, I'll do my share. And the neighbor across the aisle says, I'll do my share. And the ones in the pews in front of you, and the ones in the pews behind you, everybody says, I have a place in the work of the Lord to help grow the church. When every member of the Lord says, does their share, it causes growth. What is our share? When we look at the church as a whole, he mentions four things here, and our scripture reading only touched on one of these. One is... Our attitude in our life. The second one we'll study in the future, it's our doctrine, it's our teaching. The third one we'll look at later on, and it's the leadership. The fourth one is whether or not we're willing to behave correctly. In other words, grow and to mature toward Jesus Christ. Friends, when all of those things are as they should be, the attitude, the teaching, the leaders, the maturity, when all the members say, I'll do that, that creates growth in the church. it's not going to be one thing that they ought to do that's going to create growth in the church. It's going to be when I do my part that'll create growth in the church and when you do your part. It's exciting to think that we have the potential to help change someone's soul that the way we as a congregation embrace visitors can make a difference in the population of heaven. Let's be excited about that. Let's take advantage of every opportunity God gives us to show others the love of Jesus Christ. How could that be done? If you look back in your text here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, notice verse 1 talked about the walk. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, when we think about walking worthy, I think about in, in Genesis 3, when we have the story of of Adam and Eve, and this is where they did fall, but yet we read there in the third chapter in verse 8 that the God was coming down in the cool of the day, and He was walking in the garden. And what's implied here is that He walked along with Adam and Eve, but yet notice in this particular chapter, they didn't walk together that day. Now why did they apparently walk together at some times, but yet this evening they didn't walk together? Remember, this is when they sinned. They heard the voice of the Lord and they ran and they hid because He said, I was afraid and I hid myself. Friends, that shows us the very first time we see in the Scriptures the opportunity to walk with the Lord. If I allow sin to reign in my life, I can't walk with the Lord. That's the beauty of Enoch as we read later in Genesis the 5th chapter. We read that Enoch walked with God and finally he walked with God right out of this earth. We don't understand this story completely. I heard this one time and I'm not suggesting at all that this is how it happened. It's a fictional version of this, but wow, it makes a beautiful point. It went like this. Enoch and God would go on a walk every day. And one day they went on such a long walk when Enoch said, God, I've got to turn back and go back towards my home. God said, Enoch, we're closer to my home. Why don't you just go ahead and come home with me? What a beautiful thought. That's what really all of us are doing. We're walking with God. If we're faithful Christians, we're walking with God on this earth. And one of these days, we will pass through death and we'll walk right on home with God. Sin separates us from that walk. Righteous living, full submission by the grace of God and the forgiveness that He offers, we can decide to walk with God. Noah in Genesis the sixth chapter lived in a time when no one else was walking with God, but here Noah was a man that was living righteous. And of all the ways God could have described His righteousness, He says He walked with God. Just the uh, just yesterday, Emily was reading. And she had no idea of this sermon and no idea, uh, of course, of this point being point number one. And she said, Dad, I don't understand what it means, all these people walking with God. This is like the third person I've read about that's walked with God. Now, how did these people do that? I said, come to church in the morning, you'll find out. We need to be walking with God. We won't walk in the garden with God on this earth, but you know what? We'll probably walk with God in the garden in eternity. But we have to decide now, are we going to walk in the pathways with God? As we consider this, I'd like for you to notice, and and if you've been with us often here, you know that on Sunday evenings we've been looking through a series of Ephesians. And and so now we're at the point where we're beginning the last half of this series of Ephesians. I'd like for you to notice as we look at this screen, notice how Ephesians, the first chapter, uh, fourth chapter, verse 1, speaks of the walk which we just read. But notice how verse 17 speaks of another walk that we're to avoid. In verse 17, he tells us not to walk like the Gentiles walk. That's a beautiful way to describe here in the same chapter. In other words, God is saying, I want you to walk with me. But then he reads on a little bit further, and now God says, don't walk like the heathens. Their futility of mind, in other words, it's, a, it's the depravity of moral sense. In other words, our conduct ought to be wholesome. Our conduct ought to be pure. Our conduct ought to reflect our spirituality. Not walking like the heathens that are immoral, that are driven by their lust." That live like the world. We have to make a decision which way we're going to walk. He speaks again about the walk in the fifth chapter. Look at verse 2 and verse 8 and and then down to verse 15 and 2 he talks about walking in love and in verse 8 he talks about walking as children of light. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship one with another in the blood. His son cleanses us of our sins. 1 John 1 and 7 we have to decide if we're going to walk in the light and then finally in 15 he says walk circumspectly. You see, we have to decide if we're going to walk in the love of Jesus Christ. We have to decide if we're going to walk in the light. We have to decide. The word circumspectly means very carefully. If you have ever climbed maybe a steep trail where where there were rocks that would roll underneath your feet, you remember how you, you watched where you were placing every foot. Someone says, well, I believe that's legalism. Call it what you want. You're wrong about that. God calls it walking circumspectly. God says, I want you to know my law. And I want you to carefully place every step within my law. Friends, that's not legalism. Legalism is where you make up law where God has not made up law and apply it to others. That's called faithfulness. Is when we say, I want to obey everything that God asked me to obey. I want to carefully place my feet on the paths. I want to walk with Him. And then, not talking about a walk, but still very similar, talking about a stand in Ephesians, the 6th chapter, we read in verse 11, 13, and 14 about taking our stand with the Lord and taking our stand against Satan above all to stand, he says, as we put on the armor of God. How does this tie in to Vister's? you realize when someone visits here a congregation this size they always see people that they've known went to school with them I work with them they live down the road from me friends it may be that some people because they know the way that individual has walked on this earth they visit and they see that person and they say, I want to come back again. If this place has helped that person live that life, that's the type of life I want to live. They were always so kind. They were always so helpful. They were always so patient. When the going got rough, they always kept their cool. They always were the type of person that I want to be. I want to visit that place again. Or... Maybe they visit and they look over and they see someone. I'm not making up an illustration. I'm telling you the truth. They say, I was at a party that they were at New Year's Eve. How did you celebrate it? Because there were some people there. And they saw what you did. And they know where you go to church. They've seen the way you've acted at school. They've seen your business dealings at work. And they say, if that's what that is all about, I'm not looking for that kind of walk. I'll walk somewhere else. Friends, if the church is ever going to grow the way God designed for it to grow, It's going to be because it's filled with people that aren't perfect. But they're forgiven. And they're serious about their faith. They live the life. And their life is an encouragement to all that know them that this is a wonderful way to live on this earth. He says, walking worthy of the calling. What did it cost you and I to have the opportunity to be called to be a Christian? It cost Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Now, am I walking worthy of that calling? Someone says, why are you so serious about the Christian life? Do you realize what it costs for you and I to have this opportunity? Someone says, you hope to go to heaven? Do you realize what it costs for you and I to have the hope of heaven? Let's walk worthy of that calling. But Notice also it carries with it a... Carefulness or a diligence in our mind. Look at the mindfulness that we have to have as we read verse two again. We're in Ephesians the fourth chapter and verse two. He's continuing this same sentence, and he says, "With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love." Now the reason we call this mindfulness is because every one of these begins in the mind. That's the spiritual heart. Now as we think of this, lowliness is the humility of the mind. As we think about this, I'd like for you to think with me of Romans the 12th chapter in verse 2 and 3. You probably know verse 2 as it links to verse 1. But I want you to notice how verse 2 also links with verse 3. Verse 2 is, do not be conformed to this world, be ye transformed. How are we going to be transformed? By the renewing of the mind. Okay, if we're going to renew the mind and do what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God, what is that new mind going to do? You see what he's saying? In other words, if we're living out in the world and we decided that we wanted to become a Christian, our mind has to be changed. What is going to be changed? Notice verse 3 as he describes it. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think, we're back to the mind again, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Friends, can you esteem others greater than yourself? Do you honestly think, we're not talking about acting here, do you honestly think others deserve to be esteemed by you? Do you think they are valuable? When a visitor comes in, do you think they deserve your attention? If not, we need to renew our mind. We need to take a new walk. We need to take a walk that is mindful of lowly ways to live, of that humble way to live. But also, we said gentleness. Gentleness, by implication, is also humility. It's also meekness. It's not the idea that we become a doormat or that we become weak. It's the idea that we are God controlled as we temperate ourselves, as we control ourselves. Someone says, I have a short temper. Well, anyone could have a short temper. We have to decide if we're going to be meek and gentle, if we're going to allow God to control our life. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, in verse 22 and 23, we have a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is this gentleness or this meekness. Now what's interesting is you read down just a few more verses, to Galatians, the sixth chapter, and he talks about in verse 1, if a man or if a brother is overtaken in a fault, he says, ye who are spiritual, restore such the one. And notice he says, in the spirit of meekness or in the spirit of gentleness. Why? Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Friends, before I look down upon someone and say, look at them, they're sinners, they're living a horrible life, keep in mind the only difference in them and us is that the Lord has forgiven us and we've submitted our life to the Lord and if that person submits their life to the Lord, the Lord will forgive them. That's the only difference. That's the only difference in any sinner and any saint. The difference is not one was just born a better person. The difference is... In their God, in their Lord. Now who's going to go and try to restore that one? He says, You better renew your mind. You better make sure that you go with a gentleness about it. But notice also he said long suffering. Long suffering is the idea of suffering long. It is forbearance. And when we read Romans the second chapter, verse four, we find out that the only way you and I have the hope of salvation is because God suffered long with us. Isn't it wonderful that the first time we sinned, the Lord didn't just immediately give us what we deserve. The wages of sin is death. Isn't it wonderful that He was long suffering and He gave us the opportunity to repent? He gave us the opportunity to be baptized. He gave us the opportunity for our sins to be forgiven and our life to be added to Christ. That's the long-suffering of God. Now, when we read in 2 Timothy the fourth chapter and verse 2, we read that. We are to preach the Word. Now notice this. Paul's telling Timothy, preach the Word. Be ready in season, out of season. Here's what he wants him to do. Convince, rebuke, exhort. Now how are we going to do these things? How are we going to deal with other people that need to learn what it is to become a Christian? We convince them. We rebuke them. We exhort them with all long-suffering. Isn't that interesting that the very thing that the Lord offered to us, long-suffering, is the thing that He says, now I want you to turn around and I want you to offer long-suffering to others. Our friends may not become a Christian overnight. Now the question is, are we going to be willing to suffer long with them? It may take a few years for our friends to become Christians. Are we going to be willing to suffer long with them? It doesn't mean we'll enable them in sin. It doesn't mean we accept their sin. But are we going to love them? Are we going to see the worth in them? Are we going to suffer long with them? Now this one... It's very similar to the forbearance that we also read about. The forbearance is literally the idea of to hold oneself against. It's to bear up under. It's it's the idea that when someone shoulders uh, a load, we are to forbear with one another. When we read in Colossians, the third chapter in verse 13, we read about bearing with one another and forgiving one another. It's not always easy to get along with other people. How are we going to have the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? We're going to have to have this mindset that's humble that says, you know what? You can inflict pain in my life. I'm not going to seek vengeance against you. I'm going to suffer long with you. I'm going to forgive you. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter and verse 4, the definition of love begins by saying, suffers long and is kind. You remember when Matthew was converted? When Matthew was converted, we see that he was a tax collector. His name was Levi, and Jesus went over to invite him. And whenever he, was, he decided to follow Jesus, he was so excited, he invited his friends over to his house and then invited Jesus to come and meet his friends. A wonderful opportunity of evangelism. The scribes and the Pharisees stood back to the side and they shook their head. They couldn't believe it. They weren't going to bear with this situation and Jesus taught them that they that are whole or they that are well don't need a physician, but they that are sick. Friends, do I realize that the individuals that need us to forbear with them the most are individuals that are looking for the Lord. They are sick spiritually and they need the Lord. As we look at a quick close here, look again at verse 3, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The idea of endeavoring is endeavoring is when we strive with every ounce of our being. You know how when you reach for something and it's kind of out of reach, but you believe that if you could just tiptoe and then kind of jump, you could you could reach it off the shelf and you give every ounce of your being for that, you endeavor. That's the idea of endeavoring. It's it's diligence, it's work, it's hard work, it's high priority. You want it more than anything. He says, I want you to endeavor. This is kind of church that'll grow a church where they're walking worthy of their calling, a church that has a mindset that is humble, and they're willing to do these things with every ounce of their being, endeavoring, why? To keep the unity of the Spirit. When we follow the inspired Word of God that was given by the Holy Spirit, when we're brought in under the Spirit of God, the unity of the Spirit, and notice this, the bond of peace. When we take two items and we bond them together... The bond of peace you and I brought together. And and if you've been studying along with us, you know that Ephesians, the second chapter and the third chapter, was about the peace that could be bonded together between the Jew and the Gentile because of Jesus Christ. And now he's writing to that one church, not a Jewish church, not a Gentile church. He's writing to that one church and he's saying, you can have that bond of peace. You can be brought together. How? Walk worthy of the calling. Have a humble mindset. You Jews, see the Gentiles as greater than you. You Gentiles, see the Jews as greater than you. Have that humble mindset. Submit to the unity of the Spirit. Offer the bond of peace. What a beautiful thought. That's what causes the church to grow. Us living right. Us thinking right. And us loving right the unity that the Lord offers through him. Are you helping the church to grow? The Lord's not looking for a church full of preachers. The Lord's not looking for a church full of teachers. James says there should be few. What's the Lord looking for? He's looking for every member to do their part. Every day you get up and go to work, you go to school, and you live for the Lord, you're doing your part. Every day that you display that humility and you come to service and you esteem visitors, you're doing your part. When you love each other and and we can forgive each other, you're doing your part. For the glory of God, let's do our part. If you've never been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, won't you submit to Him? Be unified on Jesus as you're saved this morning, being baptized into Jesus for the remission of your sins. Maybe you've been baptized into Jesus, and maybe somewhere along the way, you're not unified with Christ. Sin is separated. You haven't walked with Him, and you want to come back and walk with Him this morning. There's nobody here perfect, but everybody can leave here forgiven. If we can help you in any way, come we stand. As